Speak softly loud So no one hears us but the sky The vows of love we made We live on till we die My life is yours And I'll be cold You came into my world With love so softly Good evening everyone And thank you for tuning in And we have a little celebration going on here yet. This is our First year being on the air. Yeah, one year anniversary. One year anniversary. Our first episode came out February 20th, 2019. So, so we're going to make some changes uh, on this new year. Megan wants to be called Megan Horan. Yeah, I think and my last name should be out there. What do you I, think? Well, you just not want it. There's no warrants <laughs> out for you, right? <laughs> not that I know of. We can say your last name. She, she's yeah. too young in the witness protection program, so she's okay. okay. And Pat Picciarelli... My partner in crime. Thank you. In so many Good ways. Good evening, everybody. And Gianni Russo. And we're here a year. I love it. Yeah. So this a, a whole year? This 52nd Isn't that show? crazy? This is Man. the 53rd episode. Wow. And at the beginning, I said, though we didn't have that much to say. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was I wrong. <laughs> Well, I tell you, you know, now it, it's just conversation. It's, it's just flow. Well, you know what it is. We, we, we work together well. Yeah. Thank God. And I, I've listened to... Uh, network radio shows and TV shows that don't work as well as this. Oh. The chemistry's here, in other words. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good balance. I mean, there's, uh, it is. there's um, what is that, 50 years of age here between us? There's def- yeah. That's wild. Anyway, <laughs> what we want you to know, and, it, and we're dedicating one show a month to the mailbag. Because we're getting such great mail, we can't just do 15 minutes. And we want to talk to everybody. And we're, we're getting mail now. Uh, I know what's coming up. I, I got something coming from Sweden mm-hmm. today. I mean, this stuff is it's all over. It's all over the world now. I love it. Yeah, you know, just well, let it be known. You know, you can ask us anything. And we'll answer it, believe mm-hmm. me. As long as it doesn't get us indicted, we That's will it. answer the question. Yeah, maybe we'll okay. ask it, but it just won't be answered. <laughs> and that, that, you, will, that's you will hear that. <laughs> All right, should we get into it? Let's go. Let's go. Let's start our new year off right. All right. I hear an echo. Do you? No. Oh. <laughs> All right. So first I want to share is from someone by the name of Slimbo. Slimbo says, truly a pleasure to listen to the show. Looking forward to your in-person appearance at my father's place in February. As unbelievable as some of your stories seem, I've not heard one word of disagreement about any of, of them. Um, what you and Patrick are planning next, a series, maybe a documentary done in the style of Robert Evans' The Kid Stays in the Picture, you could probably do all three, and I certainly hope you do. You're on to something, kid. <laughs> yep, uh, he's, this guy is a seer. Keep is, your is, eyes and ears open. Well, let me ask you, you a question. Explain is, what you have going here for us? But Is he a guy or a girl? I think it was a guy. Okay. But I mean, that, you yeah, never I, know. That name, you you never know. know. Well, yeah, tell, tell them what we got. Well, that, that, that's the society we're, we're living in today. But with yeah. a name like that, there's really no way of right. telling anyways. No, no but well, we... That, that was, uh, and you said it was Slimbo? Mm-hmm. Slimbo. I thought you said Slimeball. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Well, maybe it's a I, nickname. I guess we just lost him. But it's, yeah, he's <laughs> like, all right, you guys are canceled. I stand corrected. I apologize if I offended uh, Mr. Ball or Bo. Slimbo. But you want to tell Slimbo, we have it all planned. We're doing, we're 
right now contemplating a book series. We're talking about a movie. We're talking about 10-hour miniseries. So we got, you, you're, you're very good. Yeah. Unless you're with the FBI and my house is tapped. <laughs> well, we, and we also have one episode written already by an Academy Award winning yeah. author. Yeah. So, uh, Nick we're, we're, we're on our way. We're on our way. Perfect. Keep your eyes and ears Good way open. to start the new year off. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So next one is from Eddie. Patrick, this is for you. Eddie says, I bought both of your books on Amazon. Finished the first one, Bloodshot Eyes, which was fantastic. Oh, Couldn't wow. put it down. And I'm halfway through Popline, the second book. You mentioned that one of the books was based on a real case that you investigated. Which book was that? And can you tell me what the case was about? Thank you. Your podcast is great. Never miss an episode. Funny you should ask. Yes, the pop law, the rather uh, Bloodshot Eyes was based on a real case. I was hired by uh, Penthouse Magazine to look into a rumor that the Son of Sam serial killings in uh, New York City in the late 70s was actually the work of a cult. And the rumor was that there was a video of the first killing, uh, oh. which took place in Forest Hills, Queens. So that was the second killing, pardon me, that there was a video of it. Uh, and that a uh, woman that uh, works as a civilian in a New York City college, I, won't, uh, I don't want to mention which college it was, she has possession of this video because her ex-boyfriend was part of this cult. So they wanted me to hunt down this guy and see if there was any validity to this. Wow. So I went, I, I found the guy, he was a bank robber, convicted bank robber. Uh, he was housed in uh, Lampock Penitentiary in California. Went there to talk to him. Long story short, uh, I was convinced that there was validity to the story. He had too many facts uh, relating to the killings that no one else knew about. Went back to New York and went to see his ex-girlfriend, who he said has the video. This was his get-out-of-jail-free card, only he didn't know how to go about it. Actually, he didn't want to get out of jail because he knew that wasn't going to happen. But he wanted to get back to the East Coast so his family could visit him. So this was his, okay. uh, this was his motivation. When I went to see her, I was right on the line. I didn't lie to her or anything. I told her who I was, who I had just seen. And I wanted to see a copy of the video. Either she was going to give it to me or she wasn't. Uh, she was a black woman that almost literally turned white as soon as I brought up that video. I mean, she blanched. I thought she was going to faint. She said, I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, get out of my office. I'm going to call security. Oh, wow. I had to leave. And needless to say, if there was a video at that point, it was going to be a destroyed video. <laughs> so I went back to Penthouse and told them what I had. And they said, well, we can't go with it unless we have some kind of evidence. So they kill the story. But I was so frustrated, I decided to fictionalize it, and mm -hmm. I turned it into Bloodshot Eyes, which is basically the case that I just told you about, but I turned it into a fiction book. And it was, I, it interested me so much. I liked the character uh, who was a retired New York City police lieutenant turned private eye. I don't know how I get these ideas. I'm brilliant. Hold <laughs> uh, that out I looked in the mirror one morning. <laughs> I tell you, where do I, I just, they just, they just come to me. So creative. Uh, so how, I'm, I'm a question though. That we, yeah. we just started talking about the book and it's nice that people are buying it and reading it. How, yeah. how well are you doing being self-published? Well, uh, I'm uh, looking at my stats on Amazon and they are decent considering, uh, you know, we record well in advance. So they've only heard 
my sales pitch two or three times. Right. right. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm content because that's all I'm doing. I'm not pushing it anywhere else. I haven't even mentioned it on Facebook yet. I probably will. Uh, I I'm doing it. I, I wrote the series because I enjoy writing fiction. And, you know, if it turns out to be uh, a book that's going to sell, I'm going to continue doing the series. What I want to do, uh, you know, you and I, Gianni, can continue to work together because, truth be told, you know, I, we enjoy doing these, you know, we enjoyed the first book. We're going to enjoy whatever comes after that, which may be a second nonfiction book, or as you mentioned, perhaps a Gianni Russo fiction series, which has been brought up. I you like and I have that. to decide that. And, uh, you know, that's where the big money mm -hmm. is. And, of course, I'd rather go that way. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we got, but, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just like to write. I've always loved to write. But thank you for asking. Who, who, what was it, Eddie? Um. Yes, Eddie. Eddie. Thank you, Eddie, for asking. I want to read those books. I told her. I I thought of a good name for our, our series book for the. But you you want to share it here or yeah, uh, why not? later? All right, go ahead. Truth or fiction? <laughs> yeah, let them, yeah. You know, when you write fiction about a real character, you can get away with a lot because, as you say, no one knows whether it's what saying is true or not. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, if, if we get to go ahead from the publisher who is deciding what they want next, and if it is a, a fiction series, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. Oh, that sounds great. Okay. Okay. All so, right, next one. Please. Next one is from Kim for Gianni. Kim says, food and cooking are such integral parts of the Italian lifestyle. Without your family and mother to teach you, how did you become such a good cook? I would love to see you put out a cookbook. I have a cookbook out, so but that's Do you really? years ago. I put it out when I owned State Street, and he's trumping on pop. Uh, I love him. He's eating. He's eating. He's eating his tostitos right I now. Okay, that will be my last trip. I didn't know you could hear it. So. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, Johnny can see you too. I'm oh, about two good. feet away from the mic. <laughs> no, but the, the interesting thing is, uh, I did a cookbook years ago when I opened State Street. Mm -hmm. Because I was doing my own cooking shows, I was doing a lot of things at that time, just to because I'm an egomaniac, and I put out a cookbook, and I had, <laughs> and all the stars that came in my restaurant gave me that. their favorite restaurant, a recipe, recipe, and I cooked it. Wow! So it had a picture of the star. So is that still had. out there somewhere? That I have them here. Find? If you want, I'll give them to you. Well, yeah, I'll take one. Yeah. But so anybody else? You, so, so you're self-taught. Yeah, basically no, because you know Italians. And I always tell my kids this, especially Italian men. Italian men think they could sing, make love, and cook. All I tell that my sons, like <laughs> I tell my sons, don't do it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge, well. actually. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Yeah, I definitely What's your want favorite to see that cook. cook. What's that? What is your favorite dish to cook? I don't have one actually. I'm, I'm, I'm a, no, I'm a saucier. I love sauces and. I love food. Pasta. Yeah, me love too. Food, so. mm -hmm. All right. So next one is from Jennifer. Jennifer says, hi, I'm listening from Bradford, Yorkshire in the UK. Love the podcast. You guys are opening my eyes to another side of the entertainment business as well as of life in the USA. My question to you guys is, do you have any links to the UK and what are your thoughts on us across the pond? I have so many links across the pond. <laughs> I actually lived on Eaton Square for a while, 14 Eaton Square, you know, at uh, Hyde Park. And, oh, no way. Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? I lived in West Kensington for four months. Oh, wow. And then my friend, the Sultan Brunei, bought the Dorchester Hotel. 
Mm-hmm. And I'd go there every day for high tea, cut across the grass. I was just having so <laughs> much great. fun. There. That's a great and, city. And we sold foreign rights to uh, England. Yep. Our book yeah. It's yeah. published in England. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if she's read it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, cool. ask that question. Yeah. yeah it's out there. Jennifer, have you read yeah. the book? There you go. All right, so next one is from Christina. Christina says, when I was a kid, I went to a funeral for a friend of my father's who was supposed to be a gangster. I didn't know it at the time, but was curious about mafia funerals. I've been to many funerals in my 60 years, but none matched the magnitude of that funeral. My question, is there a protocol for mafia funerals? Who can attend? Are they all so expensive? And anything else you can tell me would be appreciated. Keep up the great work. You guys are great. That's a unique question. That's That's a wild question. The only thing I could say... Uh, if they're respected, <laughs> it's a big funeral. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, I, I always thought when I was when I was a kid, you know, growing up in that atmosphere, that uh, they all try to outdo the last funeral. Right. I mean, big big Jim Colosimo, who was a Chicago gangster prior to Capone. Well, Capone arrived, and he was instrumental in uh, Colosimo having to have a funeral. Uh, that said, at the time, the Colosimo funeral was the biggest funeral ever in the United States. The entourage of flower cars went Oh, I remember like 40, yeah. Mm. I can you know, see. And what do you do with all those flowers? The, 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 the casket was solid gold. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it, it, you know, there is a protocol, though. Uh, maybe there isn't. Who can go to these things and who can't? Well, now it's got worse because, uh, don't ask how I would know this, hmm. but uh, a few years ago, because of all the stool pigeons, they sent out a message to real guys, don't go to any more weddings and don't go to any more funerals. Really? Yep. Yep. You can't go. Hmm. Because of the FBI being on the premises and the rats that go there to find out who's going. Wow. So basically the... Uh... <laughs> The family goes. That's it. Those friends. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's wow. why the big mafia funerals are no longer. <laughs> uh, They're closing even, funeral homes. Wow. Did you hear anything about the uh, the guy who got killed by his uh, daughter's uh, former boyfriend? What kind of send off he got? John Cali. Yeah, Cali. <laughs> no, he he got a, a very respectful send off. I forget that he's out of Sicily. Okay, so that's where they had it. They yeah, had two funerals. <coughs> they sent him out there. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next one. Thank you. Next one is from Ryan for Gianni. Ryan says, "Was Marlon Brando always kind to you on the set of The Godfather?" He was. He became best friends of mine during rehearsal, mm-hmm. <laughs> before we were on the set. Then we were. Best of friends from that day on. That's great. Got to read the book. That story's <laughs> in the book. That's quite Hollywood a story. Godfather. People still want to hear it straight from your mouth. Yeah. That's how I mean, they That, that could have gone either way. Yeah, hello. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, you know, just faith. From the uh, initial conversation or confrontation you guys had. Yeah, but, 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 but until he died, 204, I was his friend. Really? July 1, 2004. Wow. How old was he? Um, good question. 61, 62? Nah, it was in his 80s. No, 80s? How Look could it be? For Brando? Yeah, right, Brando wait, we're not moving that. on from this until I find. Okay. 
how old he was. You are right about the date. Um, he was 80. Wow. Yeah, what surprised me was that he lasted that long, given his bad habits. Yeah, well. Right. That's probably why you didn't even think that's how old he was. Well, he, yeah. you know, he was yeah. so big. You, there was no way. I mean, he had, when he was at his peak, his skin was stretched to the max. He looked like he had a shine. He got really heavy, right? Oh, my God. Really heavy? 380. <laughs> it's heavy. Yikes. Yeah, it's a little more than heavy is an understatement. Yeah, well, not, he was not, about 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, so, and 2'8". Yeah. Jeez. No, big. What are yeah, you like? Yeah, cause of death. Everything. Congestive heart failure. Yikes. All right, next one. Uh, so the next one's from Sebastian for Gianni. Sebastian asked, was Woody Harrelson's dad a JFK shooter? Somebody said that to me so many times. and I've gotten the question numerous times, yeah. and I thought I should finally answer it. Well, no, I, or I ask I, it. The funniest thing is Woody's father is in jail, but the four shooters I know, their last name wasn't Harrelson. <laughs> Okay. Woody Harrelson's father got life for killing a federal judge in Texas. Right. First okay. time in a hundred years that a federal judge was assassinated, shot him with a high-powered rifle. He was a he was a high killer. What Apparently year was not that? A very good one. What year was that? Do you know? No, I don't. Know. After after the Kennedys. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, maybe I don't know. I mean, I I only know the people that I knew. Other than there was a lot of people there. Mm. A lot of killings afterwards. So. Yikes. All right. Next one is from Adele for Gianni. Adele asks, or Adele says, I was a big fan of the show Mob Wives. How real was that? Do mob oh wives God. usually work for a living? If they don't, what happens to their income when their partner goes to jail? The lady, that question, if you're watching Mob Wives, get a life, do not something else. They're all <laughs> capitalizing on their cousins and uncles that were in the mob. It's yeah, were actually, and, and even the ones that were married to guys that were yeah. involved, they weren't. A couple of them were made, a couple of them weren't, and they were in and out of jails. Well, I mean, it, it it was all about the women and their their petty arguments and their catfights. That's that all was it was the about. Of the show. And that's why that show went on and on and on and on. I mean, mm. big yeah, it's been off the air come on, please. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's been off the air because they they well they lost a lot of key characters. And um, it was just garbage. garbage. Yeah, Big Ange, Big Ange died. Yeah, yeah, she's since passed away. She was, the, yeah, she was. Uh, Chain smoker. Power. Yeah, well, yeah, she. Well, she had that deep, she, raspy voice, right? Yeah, sure. She, she sounded like Roger Crawford. Called the cigarette voice. Mm. <laughs> Cute. Oh. All right, next one is from Henrik for Gianni. My man, Henrik. <laughs> you know how I know this kid's name? Just by that name. Who has a name called Henrik? <laughs> I don't know any Henriks. Well, I don't either. I met this kid, and uh, he always took a liking to me. And we had a very mutual friend, Ugo Bufa, that he did security for him. And then he went on to accolades and the Saudi wars and all that stuff. And he asked me to stand up for him. Wow. And now he's in his 50s, I think 51, 52. Huh. But, so what, so what, what does Henrik have to say? All right, so he says, Henrik from Sweden here. First, I want to say how much I love your podcast. Now I have a question for you. Because of the increasing terrorism and the government's focus on that, does it in any way make it possible for the families to grow stronger? Can't wait for your next podcast, Love from Sweden. Gangsters? I think he means family, like, yeah, mob yeah, families. Mob families basically are 
who they are now and running businesses that are so legitimate. I mean, there still will always be the families in Sicily, which he knows, actually. He knows what goes on. Really? Oh, yeah. That's, he's, he's a real guy. Got it. <laughs> Thank you, Heinrich, for that. I love it. <laughs> All right. So the next one is from Susan. Susan says, I'm a big Al Pacino fan. Loved him in The Irishman. He seems to value his privacy. I figured you might know something about him that the average fan doesn't know. Care to share? Not really. He's he's really gotten close to his three daughters now. He has twins with Beverly D'Angelo. And when she got impregnated, we were doing the movie Any Given Sunday. And his other daughter, the older daughter, she's got to be in her 30s now, I would think. She lived on Mulberry Street. Oh, really? So she, she was a figure and everybody knew her down there with respect to Al. But he keeps a low profile. You don't see this guy in any kind of columns. You don't see no, no. He, he's not about, about yeah. Where does he even live? He's living in Beverly Hills now. He still has an apartment in New York, but he's really immersed himself, as I was told now, because he wasn't feeling well, and now he, obviously his energy's back and he's working. As we mentioned, uh, yeah, right. He's got the Hunters, a new TV series. Good for him. But yeah. All right. So next one is from Charles for Patrick. Charles says, I've written a book about my late grandfather's life. He was a Vietnam vet and career army officer. My question is, how do I go about getting the book published? Do I need an agent? I don't know where to start the process. Thank you, great podcast. Well, answer that question fully. We're going to need another 52 episodes. (laughs) That said, uh, you got the easy part out of the way. You wrote the book. That's the easy part. Uh, You have to have an agent. Uh, Getting an agent could be difficult. But I'm putting the cart before the horse here. Get the book edited. You know, this is perhaps going to be a source of income for you. You're going to have to invest in your future. Hire a good editor to edit the book. Not your friend next door who took an English course in editing. Mm-hmm. Talking about a professional editor. It's going to cost you a couple of bucks. Not very much depending on the length of the book. Once it's spiffy, you go hunting for an agent. The best way to, to do that, there's a lot of publications online sites which uh, will tell you what agents handle what kind of books certain uh, you know agents uh, might specialize in mysteries others might uh, specialize in romance some fiction some nonfiction find out who specializes in what you have to sell and when you write the letter to the agent it's called a query letter one page not both sides of the page one page because these people hate to read believe it or not Hmm. Uh, address the agent by name, not to who it may concern, because your manuscript will go into the garbage. This agent wants to know that you've done research on their agency and that you're interested in being represented by them. And you take it from there. The agent will shop, if he likes the book, will shop the book around. Not even a question of liking the book. You may think this is the best book since Gone with the Wind, but if that book, that type of book, isn't selling, then he will not represent you no matter how well you wrote it. I can tell you horror stories for weeks about people who wrote phenomenal books mm. that uh, that never got them published. But that's where you have to start. Edit it, get it edited, and then find yourself an agent. And uh, what was his name, Charles? I wish you luck, Charles. Hey, Charles, can I give you a word of advice? Because I'm an old, um, I'm the senior citizen here. When you send that to the agent, Send it certified and a yes. copy to yourself certified. Because if that story shows up, 
down the road. Then you take that to the court and let the court open up your certified envelope with your book in it, and you're done. You'll win. Yeah, always protect your intellectual property. Exactly. Now, the odds of a, of a book being stolen versus a film idea uh, are greatly different. The, the film ideas are stolen a lot. Books, not so much. Because there's always a record of them. You got right. stuff in the computer that's dated. Right. Right. You got uh, something saved on a, on a thumb drive. As Johnny said, you can send yourself a copy of the manuscript sealed and don't open it up. There's so many ways. But with screenplays, you can make little changes here, little changes yeah. there. And before you know it, you have a similar movie that's just a little different. And yeah. you're going to find yourself in court for the rest of your life trying to defend your work. That's good advice. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. All right. The next one is from Mark. Mark says, do you have any stories about Frankie Valli? I know he was connected, but Joey Reynolds also told my friend and I that he discovered or put Frankie Valley at and the Four Seasons on the map when he was a disc jockey back Joey in the day. Joey Reynolds? I yeah. love Joey Reynolds. No way. He said he would like to hear about that. Well, Joey Reynolds obviously was a disc jockey and everything else. He's still on the radio. Hmm. But, uh, I, I mean, there is, I mean, go, go see Jersey Boys. That's the story. Hello. I think this was a different time and a different place. Yeah, of course. I mean, you had payola, you had heavy Not only that, but I mean, Jip to call all the mob involvement. I mean, that's why Jersey Boys was made. That's what made that so different than every other group that was controlled by the mob or payola or anything else. But Frankie Valley, no, I love Frankie Valley. He's a good man. He was in The Sopranos. Oh, yeah. They all want to be actors. Yeah. Every time he sees me, you're going to make that into a movie. I want to be in it. <laughs> yeah, he's about 83, 84 now, right? Yeah, he's, like he's actually he's 83. Yeah. I was at his 80th birthday two years ago. There you go. Yep. All right, next one. Next one is from John. John asked for Gianni, if Mr. Costello were here today, what would be something you would say or ask him? I would ask him. Or say to him. I want to give him a hug. I don't want to say nothing. Hmm. No, Costello was a, a, a one. I mean, there were about four guys in my life that I can only say Ugo Buffa being one of them, Carlo Gambino, Tony Accardo, and Frank Costello. Hmm. I don't know anybody that, and my good friend Nick Nitty, who we conquered the world together. <laughs> They're all school, man. You can't. You, O'Neill De La Croco falls into that too, though. But. Uh, they're not around. They're, they're, they're done. Right. And, the, and their likes will never be seen again. Yep. All right. Next one is from Richard. Richard asks, any good stories from the set of Any Given Sunday? Are there oh, any you haven't already talked about? <laughs> that we can go on for days. That was the most insane movie I've ever been on in my life. Yeah, 30... we have a lot of stories in the book. Too. Oh, my uh, God, yeah. It was 38 movie stars. Figure it out. And then every sports figure from Jim Brown to everybody. I mean, we had Y.A. Tittle. We had everybody in this movie. We even had Moses. Did you not? We did. What? Yeah, yeah we had Moses. Uh, yeah, he parted South Beach to be in yeah, the movie. No, oh, no, okay. No, no, what was his name? Uh, the old actor. We brought him in. I made him oh, play. Oh, uh, yeah, Charleston Heston? Charleston Heston. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. All right, next one is from Richard. 
Oh, I'm sorry. That was the one I just read. Next one's from Brian. Brian says, after all these years, have you gotten any understanding of who the girl was at Zsa Zsa Gabor's? <laughs> no, I wish I did. I mean, now she's probably dead or maybe not. No, she was young. But that was a thing that baffled me for so long. I've tried so many times and nobody knows. Merv Griffin Merv. knew. He knew? Well, of course he But knew. he never told you? No, because Merv Griffin, I mean, uh, Ava Gabor was his beard. Because uh-huh. Merv had a son who runs his companies now. And that was before people came out of the closet. <laughs> and so he knew what was going on then. I guess my whole reason for that, I think she just wanted to go down as a great lover. And she couldn't perform that. She got older and heavier. Mm. And, you know, who knows? But, but she really thought that you were going to think that that was her. I don't know well, how you, she possibly did. Well, you, you had a couple of cocktails in you, you know. Uh, oh, yeah but, no, but, she, yeah, but the thing is this. I have a tendency, like in my cars, when somebody sits next to me in a car, I'll put my hand on a leg. You know, uh-huh. I, I, when I put my hand on Jaja's leg, my hand did not bend in any way. <laughs> it just laid flat on top. It just laid flat on the leg. Right. That girl that was in bed was not a 10, a 12. Forget right. about it. <laughs> well, that's the job. How, how do you apply for that job? I mean, where, where do they... Yeah, uh, where were the... Were there auditions for that role there? Yeah. That's weird, what, man. It is yeah. weird. Certainly weird. All right, moving on. <laughs> Next one is from Daniel for both Gianni and Pat. Daniel asks, what are your favorite books on the mafia? I don't have one. Pat? The Godfather, I, I, I read when it came out. Oh, you mean fictional I, books? He just said yeah, books. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and and uh, truthfully, I, I, I've been chasing that book ever since. You know, there's been several sequels to The Godfather, two, I think. Uh, one was, uh, oddly enough, I don't know how anybody thought of this name, The Return of the Godfather. Hmm. I should have known by that title alone that I shouldn't read it, but uh, I read it anyway, uh, and it sucked. And then there was another one. Uh, in, in, in the return of the Godfather, it was like a prequel. Fredo was still around. Uh, oh, wow. uh he, he was Who gay. The he, daughter? He was was the that closet. the book the daughter released after the father? Yeah. Died? Yeah. In fact, this yes. was sanctioned yeah. by, uh, by Puzo's family. Yep. Yep. I'm wondering if they read the thing. I mean, they, they paid a lot of money for this book, uh, that the publishers gave a huge advance. I don't know what it was, but it was big and right. they expected huge things out of this right in the toilet. I mean, appeared nowhere. Mm. Uh, I remember I a book it. many years ago. Maybe you read it, Pat, in, in answer to this kid's question. Did you ever read The Sicilian? Oh, yeah. We had Apuso, first book. Yeah. Very good. That was a good book. Really? And it was, yeah. it was, it was literary. It was so well done. And, I mean, I didn't know Puzo. You did. But I've seen him uh, interviewed a couple of times. The last thing I would take him for was a writer let alone a literary writer. The guy spoke like a truck driver. Oh, yeah. But this was a literary novel that was extremely well-received, went nowhere. Yeah. And because people just didn't want to read that stuff, what they wanted to read was about American gangsters. And I would think, and maybe you know more about this than I do, that he wrote The Godfather to make money. Yeah. Oh, he needed money. He was broke. Yeah. He was he was into a lot of a lot of people. Degenerate gambler. Mm. I heard, yeah. He he will bet on cockroaches crossing the floor. He wow. didn't expect. I mean, he expected it was going to make a few bucks, but he had no idea oh, this never, was going to yeah. be his main never. source of income for the rest of his life. But not, yeah, not only that. I mean, when he, he wrote the screenplays, so 
that yeah. that re- that royalty never stops. Mm-hmm. I know I get yeah. checks every ninety days. It's craziness. Wow. All right, next one is from Angelo for Patrick. Angelo asks, who would you say were your biggest influences when it came to writing? Uh, a guy by the name of Lawrence Block, who's still around. Uh, to me, uh, he writes books about uh, mysteries that take place in New York City, uh, Manhattan specifically, but the city is a character. I mean, that's how good he is. And he mm. has the best sense of dialogue it's called in the business. He he has he's got a very good ear. I mean, these are the way people talk. And I was told that uh, that my sense of dialogue is. Well, good. you have I, mean, that I, too. I have a good ear. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, he like, nailed I, me. I got into Gianni's head, and I, I could do all that. But I have I I will never reach the level that Lawrence Block did. He's in his eighties now, and he's still pumping them out. And there's a guy named John Sanford who writes a, a series. Uh, he writes several series, but his main series. Is about a uh, Minnesota uh, law enforcement officer works for the Minnesota Law Enforcement Bureau, like the state police. It's called the uh, Lucas Davenport series. It's twenty-seven books, and I gobbled them up because he once again, you you think you're reading about real people. It's very difficult to write really good dialogue, and you can always tell when it's forced. Mm. These two guys were my my biggest influence. Wow. If you have a chance to read any of them, with uh, 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 Lawrence Block, he does a, uh, a series about an unlicensed private eye. Uh, private eye's name is Matt Scudder. In fact, they made one movie, well, actually two movies out of his uh, Matt Scudder books. One was fairly recent with Liam, uh, Liam Neeson playing Matt Scudder called A Walk Among the Tombstones. And one um, many years ago called Eight Million Ways to Die hmm. with Jeff Bridges. In the eighties. Oh wow! Uh, they, uh, the one with Liam <clears throat> Nielsen, I really liked. I've seen it many times. The one with Jeff Bridges, not so much. It, it was outside of Manhattan. It took place in L.A. because uh, that's where they were shooting movies at the time. Mm. Uh, but if you have an opportunity to, to pick up any books by these people, particularly the Matt Scudder series and the Lucas Davenport series, they're going to be a treat. But those of you who like police procedurals and mysteries, they're very good. Mm. Very good. All right, next one is from Marion for Gianni. Marion asks, it seems to me that you are a rather fearless man. If you could name your biggest fear, what would it be? I don't have one. When I got out of Bellevue, I was done. I mean, the fear I had there for the first three or four months. Hmm. People don't realize that building is scary just looking at it. Well, tell people that that may not have read the book, those two or three people that haven't read it, why you were there. Well, I got polio in 1949. I was put there August 7th, 1949, to be exact. Spent five years there. Was always known as a nut house. Still is. I mean, it's probably one of the best research hospitals in the world right now. It spans about six city blocks in New York. Oh, my goodness. At this time, it was, it was just one, 300. I'll never forget that address. But uh, being in an insane asylum... Just at night, the screaming and the crying, nothing's controlled. And, and you were seven years old. Yeah. And so it was like a living hell. After I got out of that, I didn't care about nothing. Yeah, I'd, I say, still you're, I'd say you're pretty fearless. Yeah. No, that's, In all aspects. But I'm not stupid either. I'm not, I'm not going to be walking. Reckless. Of course. You know, jumping a cliff with a motorcycle. Yeah. That, that's, not that kind of that, no. fearless. Not reckless, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Next one is from Greg. Greg says, aside from Marlon Brando, who would you say were other people who influenced or inspired your acting? Well, Marlon Brando, it's funny because Marlon Brando taught me how to act. Me how to act. Mm. Not to mimic Marlon Brando. Mm. So to me, he was a great acting teacher. But again, I mean, I was, as a young kid, I was always, you know, I loved Cagney. I was always attracted to Humphrey Bogarts and those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, I mean, I guess they influenced me, but uh, not to the way Brando taught me. Was, mm-hmm. you know, we spent hours together. Yeah. Anybody you admire uh, out of the current crop of actors, old or young? I, I, not really. Do you? I mean, I, I like well, the I action guys. I discussed this once before. Uh, Denzel Washington. Uh, I, I saw. Uh, I, bo- I saw both on Broadway and as a movie uh, called Fences. Hmm. Uh, Denzel Washington uh, played the role. Who shot in Pittsburgh? Uh, I I never saw him act like that. If it's it's on cable now, called Fences. Hmm. See it. I mean, you're going to realize what a broad range actor this guy is. It's about a family. There's Nothing, so many uh, guys out there, I, I, and women. But yeah. I mean, I'm not really a thespian. I was always the guy who took the shortcut. Mm. Put up money and get me in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, didn't li- I didn't like auditioning. <laughs> yeah, that's not a fun process. Uh, that's just an, an extra step. Who needs it? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> All right, next one is from Sylvester for Gianni. Sylvester says, I've seen quite a few interviews with you since your book came out, and you've spoken about your hectic schedule. You and I are the same age. How do you keep up with all the projects you have going? Are you into physical fitness? If so, what do you do to stay in shape? I eat well. I walk three to four miles every other day, and I get a lot of sleep, 10 to 12 hours a day. You do like your sleep. And, but, but I'll tell you why. I mean, it saved my life, as we just mentioned about the hospital. I'll never forget the guy, Dr. Blomquist, said, Gianni, stay in bed and sleep. That's when your body rebuilds. Mm. And I've been told by so many people, I don't look my age, and I have a lot more energy than a lot of people I know. I would agree and, with that. And um, I, I attribute it to sleeping and eating well and getting enough exercise. Very good. All right, next one. Enrico wants to know, are you still producing wines? Yes, but not not at the capacity I used to. Okay. Because the wine business got so saturated and imported wines have such a tariff on it now. I'll be coming out with some new things in 18 months, to be exact. Okay. The 50th anniversary to Godfather. Mm. We have a new line of wines coming got out. Got some things planned. <laughs> awesome. All right, so next one is from Rich. Rich asks, Gianni, can you talk about any interactions you had with Santo Traficante? Great show. Oh, great show, not Santo Traficante. (laughs) Santo Traficante was such a respected man, especially when when they were building Cuba into casinos. And Santo Traficante was a networker. Mm. And in fact, he was very close to Fidel Castro. And that's when the CIA approached him, and him and Johnny Roselli were at a training camp in, I think, in uh, South Carolina with the CIA. Where's their big camp? Uh, well, they haven't got a camp. They got Langley, Virginia, but that's uh, they don't do their training there. But they have training facilities in that area. Yeah. They went. One, of them, one of them is called the campus. 
And mm. uh, they went because they felt, because of Santo Traficante and his relationship with Fidel Castro, he can get close enough to kill him. They came up with poison cigars. They came up with all kinds of crazy things. Yeah, they, uh, first they had somebody try to uh, try to kill him by putting poison in his food. And uh, the uh, Cuban uh, intelligence service found that guy immediately. So there had to be a rat somewhere. Right. Mm. So they uh, they elected not to send anybody else because they figured, uh, the, you know, it would kick back on them right. to the source. They had the exploding cigars. They had something, some powder that would disintegrate his beard and kill him through his skin. Wow. Oh. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's been m many books, and, and you know, this isn't uh, folklore. This is fact. This is, uh, you know, people testified in front of Congress as to what uh, the CIA, in collusion with the mafia, did to try to whack Castro. Right. Nothing ever worked. Mm. And he's still around. Oh, no, oh, he, he died. Huh? Did he passed die? away. Yeah. Well, oh. A year or two ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was, it was recently. Yeah. His brother's taken over, right? Yeah, Raul is going to retire shortly, too. He said he's only going to put in another year. That's it. Hmm. All right, next one. Um, Edison asks, Gianni, who do you consider to be your one true mentor in life? Well, I would have to say Costello had the biggest influence on mm -hmm. me for the longest time. Absolutely. All right, next one. Daniel asks for Gianni, were you ever associated with any of the Kansas City mob and have you ever been to Kansas City, Missouri? Are you kidding? I love Kansas City. <laughs> Butchie Savella, are you crazy, man? That's Corky's son. Mm. Butchie and I were the same age and he owned a club in, in Kansas City called Mothers. Mothers. I spent a lot of time in Kansas City. I liked it. When was the last time you were there? Oh my God. Uh, I'll tell you exactly when. When there was a wiretap <laughs> of me... <laughs> Borrowing $31 million from the Teamsters, and I was talking to Corky Savella on the phone. Oh, my gosh. And if I would have took one dime of that money, I was ready to withdraw. I was building a hotel called the Renaissance Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I put up my own money for the footing and foundation excavation, and uh, I had that bank in Italy that was doing that. And, they, you know, they were giving out Teamster money, like, for popcorn. You, know, you can write an IOU on a napkin and get money for them. Oh. And so I borrowed the, the money. And But they, at that time, um, Doug DeLuca, a, a bunch of guys out of the Tropicana Hotel, they intercepted the phone call. Huh. And I had somebody warn me that I never took a dime. Good job. Unless they were ready to, they wanted me so They good. were ready to take you down. Uh, Couldn't get you. All right, next one is from Michael. Michael asks, I live in Las Vegas. Gianni, where in Vegas would you buy clothes? I had a guy, he probably could still go there. There was a little tailor on Paradise Road off of Flamingo Road called Milano Tailors. The guy was from Milan, Joe Milano. And he made me every, everything I had. But I, I never still really, around? I think he is. I really, yeah? Yeah, I think so. In fact, I know he is. He's still a... But, I mean, he was a young kid. But I had so many clothes. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But I never, when, I had so many clothes. I'll tell you how nuts I was. I would never take clothes with me. I'd just go to my other house, and there was clothes there. Or I'd go to a house in New York, there was clothes there. Just have full <laughs> wardrobes in each house. It was, it was stupid money. It was stupid money. <laughs> That's great. All right, next one. Kareem asks, who was the character Don Vito Corleone inspired by? 
I think we've gone over this, but just to reiterate, yeah. if people if people aren't There's aware, actually three people: uh, Joe Pafacci of the Pafacci family, and he was the tip. He was the guy that had the uh, Calavita olive oil, and that's what became Genko olive oil. Mm. I mean, Joe Pafacci. No, am, am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, Joe Pafacci. Yeah, Pafacci. Yeah, and uh, then Carlo Gambino. And then Carlo Gambino was the image he portrayed in the garden and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then the guy who had all the politicians and dignitaries was Frank Costello. So Mario Puzo fashioned those three men into one. And that was Don and that, Corleone. And that's Don Corleone. Hmm, that's awesome. All right, next one is from Joe. Joe says, Native American casinos, tell us what you know or can say out loud how they got started, how they established their power in the gaming industry, and what they are like to deal with. I have no dealings with them at all, other than I know they own them. And I knew they hired some great Jewish attorneys mm. to use the law and got them all this tax exemption. But, you know, it's, it's, it's an old thing, because when you see who's running the casinos, I know everybody has a vowel on the end of their name. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Cochise's brother. <laughs> <laughs> What do you know about you? You know about the, the insides of the. the, the well, the, the you know, it, it was a uh, reparations sort of thing when they started uh, giving uh, Native Americans permission to open up casinos. It was supposed to be to right past wrongs, right? And it turned out to be such a gold mine that the Indians couldn't even handle it. And right. Therefore, the people with the vowels at the end of their names came in. Uh, you have to be an expert to run a, a casino. You oh, just well. can't open the doors and say, come on in. They did that at the beginning, and they got ripped off uh, yeah, to I mean, fairly well, right. and they had to get somebody in there. Uh, consultants, let's call them consultants. They hired mm. consultants. Yeah, and they, and they uh, unfortunately, they destroyed like almost a whole generation because they were sharing that money. Mm. With, so, with everybody on the reservation. Yeah, on the reservation. So all these kids were buying cars, drugs, everything else. Wow. And no one worked. Everybody, yeah. you know. We, we, I, I think we overdid it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's it. Moving on. All right. Next one is from Thomas. Thomas says, I was wondering if you know why there was a gentleman that was upset with Michael Franzese. A gentleman? There's a lot of people. <laughs> what, where'd you come from? Under a rock? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I didn't. You, even, would you, you know, know I, why, didn't, I didn't want to glorify Michael at all. I don't know. I met him a couple of times. His college educated guy. Yeah, his father yeah. is an unbelievable man. Talk about men. Sonny Franchise, forget about it. It's one hundred and three now, or something. Yeah, one hundred and three. Wow, that is a book. No, no. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Several volumes of it. Hmm. All right, next one is from Dennis. Dennis asks for Gianni, at what point in your life did you decide you wanted to be an actor? How about a singer? I think I came out of my mother's womb wanting to be all those things. <laughs> hmm. yeah, he, yeah, he came out signing autographs. You can hear that story. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I always, I was always in, involved. I always loved, I loved movie stars. I loved that whole life lifestyle. Why wouldn't I? And then, you know, you have a mentor like Sinatra, and sharing a birthday, and he gave me a different reason to live and survive. I've had fun. So, you know, I'd, I don't know what I would be. I seriously <laughs> don't know what I what would be. What else you would have done? You'd be know. doing time. 
Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. We're just dead. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. One last one that I have for tonight, and this one's actually for myself. Perfect. All right. Oh, so I know her. <laughs> Al asks for me. Al says, I've been listening to the podcast since it started. I hear a lot about Gianni and Patrick, but I'm curious as to what you have planned for your future. Whoa. Is acting in there somewhere? You've got a great voice. Well, thank you. She's got such a future ahead of her. We, uh, Pat and I are just going to sit and watch the accolades and the awards come in as she <laughs> grows leaps and bounds. Oh, I appreciate and that. Someday, and she'll probably continue talking to us when she's famous. She's that type of person. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think so. Yeah. I wouldn't tell no, that. What, what's your, what's your uh, plans? What's your future? I mean, my plans for right now would be to stick with you guys. Gianni has amazing, amazing things coming up that he's willing to have me be a part of. So that's a part of him too. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm excited for that. And I would love to do acting. That was a big love of mine for for a long time. So I would love to do that at some point. I, I never I think you'll get the opportunity I in hope this so. group. <laughs> I never saw myself doing a podcast. So anything that I have planned it just seems like it work. Well it's always a surprise. I, I, I did we uh, Yeah hello. Right. So things things happen, and you know, at, at the at, at the drop of a dime, you know, your, your life changes. Absolutely. And that's when they they use that phrase when they were phone boats. And you <laughs> pointed out there's only one. Only yeah, one. Yeah. That was a big. I, I'll close with a funny thing about drop of a dime. God. Years ago, and I watched this as a kid because you had no cell phones, and a lot of wise guys were carrying rolls of dimes with them. So I talked to a guy that was known for that. He says, the biggest insult you can give a guy is throw a roll of dimes at him and say, call anybody you want. And when you run out of dimes, I'll give you another one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Means you don't mean anything in our world. Hello. That's great. That's it. Well, <laughs> this is our second show for the anniversary. Yeah, this is our anniversary show right this here. This is it, man. Great. Well, thank you all for making us a success. We still need subscribers. We want millions. I'm, I'm glad we're getting calls from Sweden and Great Britain. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of good questions this time around. And not only that, but look, look at the countries we're affecting. Mm -hmm. We had UK, or shout infecting. out. <laughs> infecting. UK, Sweden, shout out. We got them all. And now, now that we know Megan's last name is Horan. Yes, that's me, Megan Horan. She's no more the millennial. <laughs> you can still call me the millennial, but, okay. you know. Patrick, love you. Yes, sir. Love you too, buddy. Till next week. All right, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails.
chartered course, each careful step 